What is going on, Devil fans? Welcome to the Trap Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Botch. So glad to have you with me. Today is May 12th, and the Devil's season is officially over. And what a season it was. Um, I know many of us are disappointed and saddened by the loss last night. And we're going to cover last night's game. Um, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on the game. So I was curious to see how the Devils were going to come out. Um, and in, I think I'll be one of the very few people who I thought in the first period the Devils were pretty um, sloppy. They turned the puck over way too much. I thought Luke Hughes had a, a not good first 10 minutes of the game. But as the game progressed, um, they kind of got their stuff together. And we actually ended up scoring on a goal by Dawson Mercer where it just goes to show you what happens when you drive to the net. And the Devils should have been trying to get to the front of the net the entire series. We were trying to get, I think we were trying to be a little too fancy, trying to move the puck around a little too much. Sometimes, you know, you look at the way Carolina plays and it's just a very simplistic game. They just execute it very well. So it was disappointing. We were end of, we, we get out of the first period up one and you thought to yourself, we really don't have, we really shouldn't be winning right now. That was, we got a gift and it happens. And you've seen how many times that has happened against the devil. So I was willing to take it, especially in an elimination game. But the second period has been a very, very rough period for the devils, especially in the playoffs. And I think these, these goals that happened in the first minute and in the last minute of a period, Lindy Ruff brought it up in the press conference after the game about how they're just very deflating. And Carolina is able to get on the scoreboard with less than a minute into the second period. The Devils withstand a rush of energy of Carolina kind of bringing it to the Devils for the first five, six minutes of the second period. But after that, the Devils played really, really strong in the second period. I was couldn't have been happier with what I saw from them. Um, they were executing. They were forechecking. They were skating hard. I, I thought, you know, I thought they skated hard all night. And to me, it looked like a team that kind of ran out of gas, if you want to, if we're going to be honest. Meyer gets a goal with seven minutes and 15 seconds into the second period on the power play on a nice dish from Jack Hughes to Dougie Hamilton, who takes a shot, and Meyer's there to scoop up a rebound and put it in. I thought Timo Meyer had an amazing game. Obviously, obviously, he missed a wide open net on a crazy play between Timo started it, and then it led to Mike McLeod, who had a wide open shot in front, to Jack Hughes, who makes this crazy pass, and he just couldn't finish. And I'm I'm sure no one feels worse than Timo Meyer, and that's something that you don't see too often. I mean, Timo is a guy who shoots like that is his bread and butter, and it just didn't go in. But besides that, I thought Meyer played a very very strong game as he has. Throughout the entire playoffs, he was very physical. He gets in on a four check. He wins one-on-one -on -one battles. Even a defenseman who has the puck around their own net or they're, you know, trying to make an outlet pass, he's great at four checking and stripping the puck from them. And I'm sure he wishes he had that one back because at that point it could have been a three-to-one game. And as we know, Carolina just does not play well from behind. Um, but it didn't happen. 
And Neat Bastion had an opportunity to make it three to one. Curtis Lazar had a couple opportunities. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Jesper Bratt, but he made a really nice play where he was digging for a puck and uh, got it to Palat, and he wasn't able to finish. And the Devils had their opportunities, but they couldn't cash in on him. And at one point, the Devils outshot Carolina 10 to one in the second period. Uh, a pretty reversal of roles from what we saw in game four. The only thing is the Devils weren't able to capitalize. And then it led right to a Brent Burns goal. And, you know, the, the shitty part is, you know, the two Kurt Hurricanes goals were, were pretty weak. They were shots from the point that came through traffic and they squeaked through Schmidt. And it's like, Schmidt played good last night. He did. But he gave up two goals from the point where they were deflected or he was screened. And they kind of leaked through him. Uh, his expected goals against was 3.51. And his actual goals against was 3. Those are those are kind of shots that you would like to see him get. He made a couple of really nice saves on opportunities when they were directly in front of him. And when the Hurricanes had some clean clean views, but it ended up being too much for them. I think, you know, there's a lot of things to take away from this game. The, the Devils looked fatigued. Uh, I think I think everybody gave everything. Uh, their execution was cleaner, and um, I don't think they have anything to be ashamed of. I think they played very hard. I think they played versus a team that, let's face it, I think Carolina is a better team, which is why they finished higher in the standings, and which is why they closed the Devils out in five games. I would have liked to have seen them get up two goals, whether it was Meyer or Bastion or Palat and potentially bring this to a game six in New Jersey, an afternoon game, which you know the place would have been crazy, and give them an opportunity to try to win that game and bring it to game seven. Didn't happen, but there was a lot of bright points and um, and not so bright points. And, and one of them was obviously the penalty that was taken in overtime. It really, that's on Thomas Tatar. So Siegenthaler threw the puck out of, out of, you know, out of play without it hitting the glass. There's no doubt about it. But really, when Tatar has that puck at center ice and he does not have as much pressure on him as he might think, you have to you have to advance that puck and get it deep. He decides to push it back to his defenseman to maybe try to move it around. Siegenthaler's got pressure on him already, and he ends up flipping it out of the, out of the rink, and it costs the Devils a penalty in overtime, which leads to the power play goal that ends the Devils' season. Um you know, a couple a couple of the bright spots in this game to me were the rebound of Luke Hughes. Luke Hughes came off of a treacherous game four. And as a young, as a 19-year-old who's playing in his first handful of games, he's being put in a very, very tough situation for any hockey player, let alone a kid who's coming out of college. And he plays in this elimination game on the road versus a very resilient, structured, um, disciplined hockey team led by Rod Brindamore. And I thought he handled himself great. I mean, there's many, not just kids, but there's just many people in general who, after being caught on the ice for four goals in game four, maybe would have been a little rattled and second-guessed themselves with the puck. Their decision-making um, maybe played a little, um, you know, maybe not as aggressive. Maybe they would have overthought things a little bit. And 
it didn't happen with Hughes. In fact, Hughes was very aggressive. He had four shots on net. He was one of the best players on the ice. And like I said, I thought he got off to a little bit of a slow start. I did not think that he played that good in the first five to seven minutes of the game. It looked like he turned the puck over a couple times. Um, he ended up playing 25 minutes last night, which was incredible. He And the pairing of him and John Marino really looked very uh, intriguing to me. I thought the two of them worked off of each other great. Marino had a, a couple really subtle um, defensive plays where he was able to move the puck out of his own zone. Um, obviously, he took a puck to the face in the third period, which probably broke his nose and was able to come back out on the ice after clogging up his nostrils, stopping himself from leaking, and played the rest of the game. John Marino looked really good last night before any of that happened. I thought he played a very, very strong game. I thought uh, he lent himself to Luke Hughes and it allowed Luke to jump into the play and get some shots on net and kind of use his wheels. Uh, you have to be very encouraged by what you saw from Luke Hughes last night. You know, you get a full off season with him practicing with the team. You get a preseason, you get a whole nother, uh, wait till he comes in and plays in the regular season versus teams that maybe aren't as structured or, uh, allow, some more space in the neutral zone or don't play with as much speed. I think Luke Hughes could take advantage of a lot of players. He's going to be a tremendous asset to this team moving forward. Um, obviously it looked like Jack Hughes is battling some sort of shoulder injury, which we have to hope that it is nothing too serious. The last thing you want is, you know, if he has to get surgery, which would, you know, could potentially drag on into the off season. And then you have, you have somebody who has maybe you don't want them having multiple injuries on the same shoulder over and over. Um, it's not something you want to start lingering on in his career is what I'm, is what I'm getting at. So hopefully it's nothing, it's nothing too big, but you could tell Hughes was in a lot of pain. He didn't get a ton of ice time. He ended up, uh, let's see, he ended up with 14 minutes of ice time. So he clearly was not himself. And I give the kid a lot of credit. If there's one thing that I took away from these playoffs was that Luke or um, Jack Hughes, you know, I'm a guy that likes players that play in the middle of the ice. And I think that's how you win. Um, and perimeter players are typically, I vote, I consider most of them soft for the most part. Um, and you could tell that Jack Hughes is one stubborn kid and he is a kid that wants to win. He, you know, he showed me a lot by the way that he handled himself in the playoffs. He did go to the hard parts of the ice. He played well defensively. He threw the body multiple times. He stuck up for himself and his team when he went after Ajo. He scored big clutch goals in the Ranger series. Jack Hughes is a star. And um, my impression of him from the time that the devil signed him up until the now has changed drastically over the past month. I really believe in him and I see the, the fight in the dog for sure. He is a kid that is hell bent on success and has the mentality of a real winner. And that's something that I think comes from that comes from within. That's something that you grow up with. 
Um, having three, you know, two brothers probably doesn't hurt that situation. Uh, and I think if Luke Hughes has that kind of fire in him and that kind of tenacity and will uh, and sacrifice to get the job done, I think it lends itself really well to the devil's future because you can never have enough players like that. And obviously that's the kind of player that Nico Heischer is. And I don't think he had the greatest game last night, to be honest with you, but you see the impressions that he's had on these two playoff series. And you know, despite only having one goal, he is the heart and soul of this team and he is willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, nobody takes more lumps than Nico Heischer, except for maybe Timo Meyer in this playoffs. Like, Timo Meyer got his ass kicked. Um, and he's another guy who I can't wait to see what kind of deal Tom Fitzgerald gives Timo Meyer because he's become an instant favorite of mine just from the way that he plays. He's a very old school type hockey player. And I think that you can't have enough guys like him. Like, he's a guy that he's built for the playoffs. And I know he only had one goal, but if there's anybody that made more of an impact on the Rangers series than Timo Meyer, please let me know because maybe Akira Schmid, but uh, you guys get what I'm saying. Meyer, Meyer was just a beast all around. He's a bull, and he looks like somebody who, wait till the Devils have a full year of him in the system. He he is going to really help propel this team to even the next level. Um, Mike McLeod, wow. Like, I can't even say enough. If there's a, you know... An MVP of the playoffs, it, it could be Mike McLeod. You know, I think the simplistic north-south game that you saw in the playoffs really lent itself to McLeod's playing style. He plays with a lot of speed. And he was another guy who was amazing on the forecheck, was amazing on the penalty kill, sacrificed his body, blocked shots, sacrificed his body to get the puck out of the zone. Like, you saw the way he moved the puck yesterday and the hit that he took to get the puck out of the zone. It's like, that's what real playoff players do. And that's what people get pissed about when they talk about a guy like Jesper Brad or something because they don't see him making plays like that to where if you're not going to contribute and put goals on, on the scoreboard, it's like they want to see you getting in front of a puck. And he got a lot of flack, and Jesper Brad got a lot of flack because he didn't get in front of the Brent Burns shot. He didn't, wasn't willing to get into the shooting lane. There's already He's already had a monkey on his back with the lack of production that he's had in the playoffs. And I think last night was really the final straw that pissed a lot of people off. Um, I understand why Lindy Ruff kind of called him out in the, in the press conference, the game before saying that he's too much of a perimeter player and we need him to get on the inside a little bit. I thought he did hustle last night. I thought that he did make a really good play to get the puck to Palat in this, in the slot where he sacrificed his body and was able to, um, wedge a guy off and win a, win a puck battle. But um, you, you don't see the sacrifice on his part as much as you'd like to see from a guy who you plan on sticking around for a long time and being a very important part of this team. You saw it from Jack Hughes, who you know that that's not his game. You see it from, you know, the Nico Heischers. You see it from the Timo Myers. You see it from Hollow. You saw it from McLeod. You saw it from Dawson Mercer. It's like everybody has to buy in if you want to take this team to the next level. And I think people were a little disappointed with that. Um, does he deserve the amount of flack that he's getting? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but I think it's the way that he's handled the contract negotiations that has really kind of soured on some people. And 
I kind of get it. It's like, it's, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's definitely like got me looking at him side-eyed once in a while. Um, when he doesn't perform, he obviously is incredibly skilled. He puts up a ton of points. Um, and pretty much 99% of the points he puts up are highlight type real goals, but a scrappy goal in front of the net and a rebound or a guy driving to the net hard, the goals all count the same. So I would like to see him get a little dirtier and hopefully, you know, him along with the rest of the team are going to use this experience and understand what it takes and they can maybe mentally prepare themselves for the playoffs moving forward. One of the things that seemed apparent to me was, you know, the teams like Carolina and the Boston Bruins and Edmonton and the the teams in the upper echelon of the NHL, you could tell that they have this way of where they play to a certain level throughout the regular season without completely emptying their tank prior to going into the playoffs. And I think the Devils, whether it was trying to catch Carolina or they were in the middle of a, you know, this crazy uh, winning streak that they didn't want to end. And then they went on a losing streak and they tried to get out of it. And they battled down the stretch in order to try to win first place in the Metro. I think that they're going to maybe, um, you know, the Metro lends itself really well to the Devils making the playoffs for the next, let's say, five years. I mean, Pittsburgh, Washington, uh, Philly, Columbus, these are all teams that are either regressing or down and out and trying to rebuild their teams. So between the Devils, the Hurricanes, and the Rangers, they're going to be fighting for the top three spots in the Metro in the next couple of years. And I think maybe when you are confident enough to where you could play in the regular season and you know that you don't have to, um, not that you're not playing every game 100%, but you're not redlining it for 82 games and then going into the playoffs and then redlining it again because it looked like they ran out of some steam towards the end of this Carolina series. They came off of a very emotional win uh, versus the Rangers in a game seven with a day's rest. And it looked like they were never able to regroup. One of the things that I notice about good teams is they're kind of able to skate. You know, I watched the Pittsburgh Penguins do it for years and it's like they skate through the regular season, make sure that they make the playoffs. And then when the playoffs come, they just take it to this whole nother level. Um, and it, they look kind of fresh and it's like, I hope that's something that the devils now that they are aware of their capabilities and know what they're capable of doing and, and can, you know, make a real run in the postseason. Maybe they don't have to lay it all out there during the regular season to where they, you know, kind of hobble into the playoffs or go into the playoffs and they're, they're almost out of gas. So, um, you know, the the Vanacek and Schmid combination to me, I feel like this is a team who is on the verge of doing something very special. And Schmid has looked very good at times and he's looked very questionable at times. He obviously saved us the Ranger series. Uh, I love the way he plays. I love his mentality. I love how calculated he is. I love his positioning and his size. And I like everything that goes with him. But when you know that you're a goaltender away from potentially, you know, getting to the Stanley Cup or who knows what would have happened if Vanacek played really good in this series or if Vanacek 
played really good in the Ranger series. The Devils might have to look at options for a serious franchise goalie if they're available. And obviously I'm talking about Connor Hellebuck. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to get into all of that when the time comes. So, you know, this season has been tremendous. This is the Devils are way ahead of uh, way ahead of the curve. They are going to learn so much from what they just went through. And you saw the Devils nation come out and really embrace this team and kind of fall in love with this team. And to me, that was really the greatest part of this season. It was like the Devils fans have had so little to cheer about for so long. Um, and we were the laughing stock and the doormat of the league. And um, to see everyone celebrate uh, some success for the first time in a decade. Some people have never seen it. To see everyone celebrate it was really awesome. And then, you know, when my dad kind of pushed me to start this podcast, I didn't know how people would react to it. I didn't know if anyone would listen to it. I had no previous uh, history of, of, of speaking, you know, hockey or anything like that. And one of the things that was so cool was I got all this success to, to share with everybody. And that's exactly what happened was I shared it with so many people. I met so many people, whether it was specifically around the rock or people sending me emails or people direct messaging me on Twitter and this and that. And I really like gained a ton of friends and I've met a bunch of really funny and cool people who we have this, we have this love for the devils that we share in common and it's really kept um, my dad and my brother and me together to where we we talk about the podcast. And actually, not for nothing, but like I didn't expect to be doing an episode after every game when the playoff when the playoff came around. And it was a lot. Like it was. I have three kids, and like I run a business, and um, I'm a pretty busy guy. It became a lot for me, and it got to the point where there were, I was friends with so many of you and I was getting more and more people listening to the podcast that I felt obligated to where I had to record after every game. Um, and some of them were ugly losses and some were amazing wins that I just wanted to enjoy with my, with my kids or my, my, you know, my wife and my, my, my dad and my brother. And, um, but I knew that there was you guys out there too, that, I was sharing this with as well. So I didn't want to like stop. I wanted to talk to all of you guys because you guys were giving me all this feedback. So I'm extremely grateful and extremely proud of what we were able to accomplish in just one season. Um, and I can tell you that it's only going to get better. You know, like when we started, we didn't know anything about like audio and technical side of it and everything. And there was many times where we recorded and it sounded like shit and uh, we couldn't figure out how to get my dad's, you know, um, you're, we're dealing with my dad. He's 60 something years old. He couldn't get the mic to work or this or that. You know what I mean? Because we're doing this all remotely. But um, it's been a really amazing experience for me. And it's this whole new thing that I have in my life that I picked up as a 41 year old. You know what I mean? And so it's, uh, it's been really cool. And to me, really meeting everybody and being a season ticket holder and going to all the games and seeing everybody outside of the rink and drink beers with everybody and talk and shop with everybody has been the most enjoyable part of this experience uh, for me. I think we're going to do a bunch of new podcasts that are going uh, to, we'll probably do one like every two weeks or every three weeks and we'll go over 
offseason moves. We'll go over each and every player on the roster and what we think is going to happen to them, or we can look back at their performance from the 22-23 season. We're going to go through the draft. I mean, for years covering the draft, before I was telling anybody, it was just my dad and my brother listening, covering the draft was my favorite thing to do. Um, and I would be on Tankathon like halfway through the season. We would be trying to, you know, who would we pick if we were to pick right now? And we don't have that problem anymore. I didn't look at Tankathon all year. And it's because we had such an amazing season. There's so much to be proud of. And the future is beyond bright. We have, wait till Luke Hughes plays a full season. We're going to have Simone Nemitz coming into training camp, fighting for a spot as a right-handed defenseman. We still have Alex Holtz, who has, you know, 33 points in like 60 games or something like that in the AHL. He still has an opportunity to crack this lineup and use that shot and be a force on the wing, playing on somebody's wing, whether it's Jacks or it's Nico's or fuck if it's Hollis. We have, you know, restricted and unrestricted free agents that we have to talk about signing. We have a Meyer deal. We have a Brat deal. We have, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of decisions to be made during the off season. And the best part is these are all decisions that are just going to make this team better. And I mean, after we finished third in the league this year, this is just the beginning of a really special run that the devils could go on. And it's up to Tom Fitzgerald to really manage the cap correctly. And that's why a Timo deal and a brat deal or I think a, a guy like Halla is going to be a guy who sticks around, but he's going to have to take a deal that's good for the team. And these are all things that we're going to be able to cover going into um, next season. So I, I really want to thank everybody for supporting me and for kind of, um, you know, not letting me give up on this and, and, en- and enjoy this season with everybody. And uh, you know, there's very few people in my life that I could talk devils with the way that I talk to all of you. And it's my dad, it's my brother. It's like even this year, which was really, which was really great, was my wife and my kids got really into it too. I've been trying to get them into it for years. And we've always had a losing team and we would go to the rock and it would be half full because we would be out of it already. And there's nothing worse than going into a season where it's November and the season's already over and you got four more months of hockey that's completely irrelevant. I don't think we're going to have that case anymore. So we have a lot to look forward to. I strongly suggest everybody to just wear their gear and support the team throughout the summer. Um, we're the only New Jersey sports team. Let's make sure that we rep it and, uh, and do the right thing. But we're going to have a bunch of new episodes that are going to be coming out, you know, let's say twice a month and we'll have some fun with it. We're, if you guys have any suggestions, I am all ears and um, we'll take it from there. But it was been a, it's been a great year and I want to thank everybody and I hope everybody has a great summer. You've been listening to the trap podcast and I'm your host, Bill Botch. Thanks again.